This is the Final Whistle Podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Croiso, it's Friday, it's sometime in the afternoon, and it's Dragonhearts. Gold, he's 27 years old. He makes defenders' blood run cold. He's half Nigerian. He scored in Woking. He is gold. Today, we'll be chatting about Wrexham's win at Woking, the amusing European Super League and its repercussions for Wrexham, and looking at the players we should never have released in the first place. So, what are we waiting for? Let's do Dragonheart. I'm Fiacre Kelleher, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. Yes, welcome to Dragonheart. I'm Mark Griffiths. That guy over there is Che Long. Hi, Che. Hi, Mark. It's been an absolute dramatic week for Wrexham fans and football fans in general, isn't it? I know, it's been a bit mad. We'll try and reflect a bit of that. It's, it's going to be weird talking about European Super League because things are happening so quickly. Maybe, maybe we've got perfect timing talking about it now because we seem to have reached, a, for the moment at least, a point where everything's settled down. So uh, I think there's some points to be made about that idea in reference to us, though. So good mm. to talk about. Yeah, it'd be nice to talk about it in general and our thoughts. And it's also be nice to, to, to talk about it and the fact of if this does happen, it will trickle down and affect us. So, And it's not going to happen, of course, but let's see. Not yet, anyway. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, and then we got a nice another four nil win to think about, of course, as you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and of course we appealed a while ago. You called it before we started recording the cursed segment of Dragon Hearts, <laughs> and you're quite right. Um, talking about players we released too soon, we're finally going to be able to do that. Finally, circumstances are allowing it. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it is literally the cursed segment. So always something happens or <laughs> something major crops up when we do that segment, but. Today we will get it choked off, exactly. unless some unless something crazy happens and a bomb goes off in one of our houses. Oh, geez, you know something <laughs> I don't. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> maybe what, not. After what I say, Florentino Perez might be tempted, but anyway, we'll move on to that in a second. <laughs> yeah. So, stuff your Super League. Let's do Dragon Hearts. I'm Luke Young, and you're listening to the Dragon Heart Radio Show. Right, so, the European Super League. There's there's a topic for us to start off with. Let's look at that before we look at the Woking game, shall we? And, and then have a bit of fun later. Um, okay, first things first. General principles. It's just wrong, isn't it? Yeah, and to be honest with you, I can't say I'm shocked or surprised either. Uh I could see an announcement like this happening at some point in my lifetime, but I'm just glad that the that the, all these clubs actually come to the right uh, decision in the end, even though it was forced by fan <laughs> outrage, but they saw sense. They were forced to see sense, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. Let's be yeah. honest. Um, and, I mean, for me, I tweeted this at the time, but it, it really... I thought it was one of his rare moments where I think I got it right in, in, in summarising it. Um, this, this is a revolution. 
planned by people who see Wrexham beat Arsenal and feel sick to the stomach instead of feeling the wonder of football. But that's yeah. the best way I can describe it. They they only want to protect their profits. They only want to see how much money they can get out of it. And what whether that upsets other people doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is the bottom line. And I mean, you know, the Champions League is born out of Napoli when they had Maradona signing a big deal with Italian TV for their European coverage and then getting drawn against the Moscow team. Maradona, I don't think, travels for the first legs. He doesn't fancy going to Russia. And they lose, and they can't turn it around in the second leg, and they've missed out on all that money. And the Champions League, they reckon, is partly born from big clubs saying, oh, this isn't right. We, we shouldn't mm-hmm. allow this. But, you know, we're the big clubs. We should be guaranteed the, all the money we can get. Um, and this is just a continuation of that logic, and it, it's horrible. And, of course, you know, for a club like us who are so renowned, it's in our DNA that we are giant killers, to not mm. get the chance to beat the giants is really despicable, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it's, it's, it's one of those things when you're a little kid and you dream of your team one day maybe playing Manchester United and Wrexham being a significant fixture, you know, Bournemouth got to the Premier League. Why can't someone like Wrexham? Yeah. Um, and they don't want that, don't they? They don't want these little teams to be a significant fixture. Mm. And it's so sad. And, you know, these big teams, they don't care about the FA Cup as it is. So imagine if they joined the Super League and <laughs> the amount they care about the Cup games then. It's a complete mess. And I think they've read the room completely wrong on so many levels, haven't they? I don't think they cared about the room. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And I think they expected people to kick off, but crucially, A, not to the extent people did kick off, and B, um, and crucially, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I'm not a big fan, uh, because Johnson's government actually did step in. And let's be honest, they didn't step in because they care about footy. They stepped in because, you know, advisors whispered in their ears, look at those chaps getting angry on the streets. They're your red wall voters, they are. That's why they got involved. Um, but I think that was crucial because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, I, 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 not, I don't mind giving my opinions in public. I, I, I personally am not a fan of Brexit, but it happens, so happens that in this case, Brexit has helped fight mm. off the European Super League because we can legislate against stuff like this however the heck we want. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I've seen some quite extreme ideas, like not, you know, saying that, the European Super League would be an unregistered tournament because the FA wouldn't recognise it. And therefore, any unregistered tournament uh, would miss out on a lot of stuff from automatically not being policed, which means it can't go yeah. ahead, really, to the idea that work visas won't be given to non-British citizens who uh, are playing in a non-licensed event, which means that all the big six would lose their non-British players and no other European Super League team would be allowed to come in. Well, well, don't get me wrong. Aaron Ramsey and Kieran Trippier could come in, but the rest of their team couldn't. So, you know, weirdly, that legislative freedom in that sense actually meant that when when the government gets involved, that really is saying, well, we we can say we can't let our British teams take part in this. Which is is great. And, you know, I'm the biggest criticiser of of our government and it was nice to see them step in even though you know it's obviously for brownie points it's nothing for more oh, yeah. than that but uh 
for me as well, I think a lot of this problem is comes from UEFA themselves. You know, I know that they're they're now coming out like smell like roses, like there's some sort of bastion of social justice and we do everything right with football. But, you know, the FA, the UEFA and the Premier League have done this to themselves. They've give these clubs too much power from the start. And these clubs now think they have a divine right to own football. Uh, and that's what it's. This is that's what it's come down to, really, isn't it? Well, I think it's important that this isn't the end of it. I think it's important yeah. that this now is is you know <laughs> there's a danger, isn't there? Really, people get carried away by a campaign, and then once they think they've won it, they all forget about it. This can't happen. It's got to be driven on from this now, and you know the, the government has got to be held to account. It's promised legislation that must now give us legislation to safeguard football. I, I'm not yeah. sure how. I've got to be honest, and I'm a little worried about that in a way. Um, mm. and, and I'm I'm torn on the idea of punishing the clubs simply because I think back to the the first team to get points docked because of administration, which was us, and that was just bang out of order. Um, I mean, those listeners who aren't aware of it, I'm sure most of them are, but I'm sort of trying to make it quick. We were run by uh, people who were basically going to shut us down. And we went, the only way to get the power off them was to go into administration, which the two Daves, the two Wrexham fans on the board did when the chairman rather erratically resigned and start, gave them a two-minute window of opportunity. He would need two weeks, two weeks, not two minutes. Uh, he'd need two weeks to call an EGM to reinstate himself, which he would do because he had the majority of votes on the board. And so they took advantage of those two weeks and put his administration, which then meant that he couldn't get control back. So it was a political move to save our football club, not a deliberate, cynical move to... To, to save money and we shouldn't have got that 10 point penalty I feel because we, we were not guilty of the financial doping that, uh, that it was brought in to combat but we did get those 10 points and it hurt us and I don't think we'd be a non-league if it wasn't for that because we wouldn't have been relegated from league one and we'd have been able to hold on to a team that was a mid-table league one side and build from there with Carlos Edwards and different players like that so I'm wary of saying that point deductions and relegations are a good mm. idea because I'm not convinced they totally punish the right people. Uh, uh, they, these have to be punished, though. They oh, have yeah, yeah. to be. Yeah. I think a transfer embargo would be yeah. suitable uh, summer in January. I think I think that would be a suitable punishment. That would really harm a lot of the big clubs because you know United are looking to push to win the league again and Liverpool, aren't they, next season? So... Mm. I think that, I, I, yeah, they certainly need to be punished. And the, the, the thing that really ground my gears is, you know, look at West Ham and Leicester this season. Uh, you know, they're really spoiling the European party, aren't they, for this <laughs> top six? You know, it, it's the fact that they, oh, I don't know. It's, it's really, ang- it, re- it did really anger me, but. But this brings me back. You to expect it from businessmen, don't you? You expect yeah. it from rich businessmen. Yeah. The, the rich businessmen make this sort of decisions day in, day out, and I think because it's football, we care so much. But when it comes to contracts, the NHS, we seem to look the other way. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so maybe we need to rethink the way we think business in general. Um. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Although I will say. 
we've just been bought by two rich businessmen. Right so, now, now this is no, this is where I was going to def- going to differentiate on my notes that it's not American businessmen. You know, you, you can't compare the Glaciers to Ryan Reynolds and Robert no. McElhenney. The, 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 the Glaciers are multi-super businessmen, aren't they? They are, you know, crazy businessmen. I was trying to say, you can't... I, I, I didn't really like, really like the generalisation of fans saying, oh, it's Americans who want to Americanize everything. No, it's rich businessmen who want to make money. Look at our owners who are from America and Canada. They actually want to enhance what we've got now, yeah. not take away and make it American. I think it's an unfair generalisation on Americans in general. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I mean, let's be fair. Reynolds and McElhenney have already spoken to us much more than Stan Kroenke's ever spoken to the Arsenal fans. Yeah. Um, and you can say the same about the Glazers, can't you, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, they also don't shirk away and hide as everyone did, essentially, except for Florentino Perez. And God bless him for coming out and spouting such crazy nonsense and really driving people against the Super League with this, this crazy talk of these kids who can't concentrate oh. and who make football 70 minutes long. Um, uh, you know, but whereas our new owners are very different. And I'm glad you said that. Yeah. It's lazy to just say, oh, Americans, ooh, the American system. Uh, you know, clearly... They're, they're the opposite end of the spectrum. It's not about yeah. where you come from. It's about what you believe in and your values. Yeah. Um, and I, I must be honest, I mean, I've had to ask myself some questions. When Fleetwood and Crawley both bought promotion ahead of us, um, I wasn't very happy. And in fact, I wrote mm-hmm. a thing on, on the, uh, the Wrexham fan blog saying about you know how angry Crawley made me feel. Uh, not Crawley, Fleetwood. Um, and now I look at us and I think, am I a hypocrite? Because I'm not doubting this at all. But I, I, yeah. the fact is, there's a there's a desire to do this organically and altruistically rather than, you know, uh, you know I mean, I, I would argue that Pilly at Fleetwood, okay, maybe he stuck with them to be fair, but it, it's to publicise his business. Likewise, Forest Green is publicising green electricity, which, which, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad cause, but it's a company... It's one green electricity option that they are advertising. You know what I mean? We're not doing that. It's more about people coming in to enjoy the ride, which is how football support should be. Um, I guess I never thought that Blackburn bought the league as such, insofar as everyone buys the league. Jack Walker was a genuine fan who yeah. lived the dream by sticking money into the club. And that, Yeah, I think, thankfully, we've got a more pure version of investments than... You know, well, well, than the ESL clubs because let's be honest, who invest in Wrexham to make a profit? <laughs> it's not, it's it, not really it, wise, it, is it? Exactly, exactly, and uh, it's it's for me. It's it, it was a complete mess, and I think it was the fact that they thought, oh, we are English football, and all the other teams, oh, forget about them. You know, forget about them. You know, for me. For every United, new uh, for every United, there's a Newcastle. You know, for every City, there's a Villa. You know, for every Tottenham and Arsenal, there's a Leicester, there's a West Ham, there's Nottingham Forest. You know, English football would have been fine without them anyway. There's there's a lot of clubs that are so enriched with history and so enriched with every with fans and culture. You, we don't need we don't need these clubs. We don't need them. It's nice to have them around, but we don't need them. So it was it was just all arrogance, and it was just a 
cheap attempt at a money grab. And I think it was an attempt at trying to maybe barter with UEFA a little bit oh, yeah. to to try and get you know um, them guaranteed to play in the Champions League. So they're, they're trying to restructure it, aren't they, at the moment? I don't really understand it much. But it was just a complete mess, wasn't it? It just really was a mess. Well, I mean, the strange thing about the timing is that, like you say, that they've always used it. They've used this for 20 years to, to pressure yeah. you into more and more concessions. Uh, and yet this time, they, they actually pressed a button, which seems a little peculiar um, in a way. Um, because it's strange to say, why did you actually do it now when UEFA's Reform Champions League has essentially given them exactly what they want or mm. nearly all that they want with this new the the Swiss model. They don't seem like the sort of blokes these club owners who would turn down a Swiss model, do they? And there, there you go. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, it does give them what they want. If you don't qualify for Europe, you can still have a place because you've got history. I mean, it's remarkable. It's and, and there is pleasingly talk now that because this the UEFA were pushed into this horrible rip-up of the Champions League format by those big clubs who then stabbed them in the back anyway, that they might roll back some of these reforms and not bring in some of these stupid ideas. And I hope not. The current format is as good as anything. But yeah. I'm going to ask you, right? if you're going on history, if, if Andrea Ranieri can say, why are Atlanta still in the Champions League and we are not? Because they've only had one good season. Well, that, that, that's your reason, mate. <laughs> but if if they can talk like that and it's all about history and heritage, then I, I want to know why weren't why weren't Wrexham invited? You know, Rob McElhenney uh, said we turned down the invitation, but hang on, we're older than all those clubs. Yeah, all these Welsh <laughs> cups that we've won. Yeah, I mean, what? Where was the invite? What's going exactly. on? Exactly. You know? And oh, and I was angry because you know, in five years' time or six years' time, we're going to be in the Champions League anyway. There you go. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And if we're not, I'll never go watch Wrexham again. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I must admit, at the very start, when all with the apocalyptic and they're, like, they're going to be kicked out, I was thinking, we've got to make sure we finish in the top six. Because <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. going to be us in the, in the Football League next year if they yeah. get kicked out. Although it, it, there's been some quite interesting theorising about that, hasn't there? I don't know if you've seen it. Um, the EFL... When, when there was all the, all the, when it was first announced and all the bodies were piling in, ripping into the, the, the ESL, the EFL didn't. They did it 24 hours yeah. later. And there's a yeah. suggestion, isn't there? Because the EFL were thinking, oh, can we have those six? Yeah. <laughs> we'll have yeah. them for a season. Because there was talk, wasn't there, after the um, awful project level playing field that, that um, if Liverpool Man United got kicked out of the result, the championship and sense done, we'll have you. We love it. It's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think that top six dream of mine would have quite come to pass. No, unfortunately not. But oh, my dream of a Swiss model. I'm going to keep plugging that joke till it lands. <laughs> <laughs> but so, in a nutshell, what's all your thoughts at the end? Now it, the dust has settled. Now the clubs have pulled out. Where does football go from here? Uh, it will happen again. And, you know, like I want to steer this in a Wrexham direction. I like the idea of giant killing. I like the idea of teams being able to scale the leagues. And and it will happen again. And so, well, it will unless we do something. Now, I'm not totally convinced. This idea that people are floating about a regulator, 
Yeah, I, I think it's an idea. I don't think it's a guarantee against anything. Um, I think that putting in legislation against non-official tournaments is going to be a very effective deterrent, and I think you could maybe tie it up like that. Um, the things I was mentioning earlier, which, which like I said, now legislatively the government can do, and I, I feel like those are the sort of steps that need to be put in place. Mm. But I think there's got to be a whole Europe approach as well. I don't fully understand how you'd expect salary caps to work. I can see how they work in American sports because it's a closed environment, but I don't see how you can bring in a salary cap. How can you across all of world football? No, you're really going to be watching. I mean, I, I, I don't know. The, the, the example that comes to mind of me is remember briefly the Russian team. Well, they wouldn't like being called Russian to be fair, that Amzi Makalakla who bought Samuel Atto. Mm. Um, and, and the they, Dagestani they, team, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did all right for a couple of years in Europe, didn't they? And they, they yeah. spent big money, um, warlords' money. Now, how do you regulate them? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. if, if you regulate, say, the EU countries and Britain, and there's a salary cap, what's to stop a team coming from somewhere like, say, that or Kazakhstan, which is oil rich, and yeah. then just blowing everyone out of the water in that sense? So I don't think it's, I, I, you know. I've also, I've got to be honest, I've got a sort of philosophical issue there in that I don't like, oh, I'm going to get involved here. Football's a working class game, so footballers yeah. get moaned at because they make money, because they're getting yeah. out of their yeah. state. Golfers it, don't get moaned at when they make millions yeah. upon millions. It's F1. Yeah, so I'm a little, I, I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable about this whole, oh, they're only interested in money, and which I think they no. should this week, they're not. Um, I, oh, they should have salary caps. Why should they get so much money? Well, if they didn't get all that money, the owners would keep more. And I yeah. know who I'd rather have all that money. So yeah. I'm not comfortable with the salary cap thing. But it's, it's, it's an easy way to have a go and exploit people who usually come from working class or impoverished backgrounds. Is look at, you know, let's look at the footballers. Look at him driving a Jaguar. No, he's a 19 year old lad who's getting paid three grand a week. What do you expect him to be like? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we don't teach these kids how to spend their money. They have everything done for them because they're just kids. You know, not, you know how the hell are they meant to grow up if they've just been thrown all this money at them? And they've only got a short shelf life as well. Footballers. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. it's easy, easy to blame the footballers themselves, and you know, compare them to nurses and compare them to doctors, which is 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 just. Silly, silly argument, isn't it? You see it all the time on social social media. They're two completely up different things. But yeah, it's yeah. Tabloids love to point the finger at footballers, and it, it is a bit unjust. Oh, totally. Yeah. What about you? What do you reckon should come of this? If anything, uh, what should come of it for me at a local level? If you're from Wrexham or you're from Chester or you're from Merseyside and you're angry about what's happened, don't go buy a, a Liverpool top. Don't go buy a United top next year. Go down to watch Wrexham. Go down to watch Chester. Go down to watch Tramia. Go down to watch Chester, did you say? No, no, if, if you're from these areas... You're sick. Go... <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean, do you? If go, you're from go Chester, watch... come and watch Wrexham. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, 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 you know, they soon will be. Um, go watch Kevin Druids. Go watch Carnarvon. You know, go watch Bangor. Go... Instead of spilling your money all on Sky Sports on Sky Sports subscription, get your money, get a cup of Bovril, 
and go watch Wrecked and the Cold Road Stand. Uh, get yourself down. It's a great laugh. You'll enjoy it and you feel a part of something and the club makes you feel a part of something and you, the hope kills you, but <laughs> sometimes the highs are as high as you can yeah. possibly go and the lows are as low as you possible go, possibly go. Go and support your local team. Don't put money into these clubs anymore because they don't need it and they don't care about you. That is brilliant. The hope kills you, but at least <laughs> you've got hope when yeah. there is promotion and relegation. Yes. At least exactly. it's there. And sometimes cool stuff does happen. Yes, um, it does. I feel gutted because that rant was the perfect way to end this part of the show. But I, I would like to mention one other little thing, or well, not little thing at all, which has sort of gone under the radar and it makes me feel really angry, which is that comment they made at the end of their announcement that, oh, we'll have a Women's Champions League when we can get around to it as well, a Women's Super League. And I feel when you look at the situation we're in, where our women's team is being expanded and, and it's a continuation of what the trust began. Um, and again, it's organic and I think that's healthy and it's good and money will be put in to see how far it can go. And it's wonderful. And I'd love to, uh, I like the thought that in the future, Wrexham's a multi-football team, if you like, not a multi-sport, multi-football one, where the, the men's and the women's teams are getting equal coverage, equal respect. I was really angered at the ludicrous notion that, that they were going to start a women's Super League up when they felt like it. I thought that was the most amazing misogynistic assumption. I mean, well, they didn't ask anybody in women's football about it. <laughs> I know. think they just said it out there just to yeah. blurt it out to make themselves sound good. I, I, I was yeah. listening to this sort of this topic on the price of football this morning. They just yeah. sort of and the way they come out of it, they just like, literally blurt out, oh, you know, that'll keep all the the woke yeah. people happy, won't it? We'll just yeah. say, oh, we'll make a women's super league too. And it, it's, uh, they no, just, yeah. It, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's, it's been the most ramshackle, embarrassing mess. Um, <laughs> and it's been so sort of, oh, well, because we're wretched and entitled, we, we'll just say we're doing something and then we'll work it all out later. They didn't have broadcast deals. The, the point where I really knew this wasn't going to happen was is when... Okay, BT and, and Sky read the situation and said, oh, we won't cover it. But then when Amazon Prime said that, I thought, hello, yeah. we're into something here. Because I'd have thought these over-the-top American broadcasters wouldn't care a damn about dissatisfaction. We're still going to buy presents and for, for our auntie for, on Amazon. You know what I mean? But oh no, yeah. they said they weren't going to touch it with a barge ball. That was the point where I thought, you're in trouble here. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the whole the the arrogance and audacity to say, unless we are Leon, Leon are the dominant women's team anyway. So we're going to yeah. have them, anyway. Yeah. Uh, who, who spoke to anyone in the women's game? Nobody did. I just think that was so appallingly arrogant. And you know, well, we're as rich and we just get what we want. So this is just what's going to happen. Oh, it was horrible. Our yeah, Wrexham team, we're going to we're going to Wrexham women's team are going to win the Champions League the proper way. By, by qualifying yeah. through the Welsh League and destroying everybody. <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> European Knights back at the race course. Oh, my God, Let's yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's an optimistic note to finish that conversation, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yes, definitely. Let's, we can go on now to more exciting, fun stuff. Oh, what was that? Another 4-0 away win? We'll talk about it after this, I reckon. I'm Kerry Evans, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. 
apart from all that ESL stuff, there's a bit of a uh, there's a bit of good football going on with Wrexham at the moment, isn't there? Not not bad at Woking. Not bad at all. Two four nils on the bounce. Yeah, can't complain about that. Oh, can you? Fantastic. It sets us up with a nice sort of run in where Notts County and Chesterfield are the only promotion contenders, I guess. Really, we're playing against now, and yeah. five of our eight games are at home. So, although we we've played a couple of games more than the teams below us, although having said that, uh, uh, here's something I was I just noticed before we went on. There's three teams behind us, one point behind. But we've got better goal difference than all of them. A week ago, we had the worst goal difference out of those four teams. <laughs> but funnily enough, scoring eight goals, not letting any in, has helped us in this regard. So. Oh, and it's just been... We haven't talked. We, we both didn't get to talk about the Halifax game together. Yeah. That was covered on last week's show. But two just excellent performances. And it, what I liked about it is we were 2-0 up all the way up to 90 minutes against Woking and we still end up scoring two more goals and yeah. there's been there were some really noticeable performances and we're starting to look really positive now and I'm really happy with us again especially after that rough period that we had previously mm-hmm. uh, I, I've got to say I've written about this in a leader this week actually um, I mean it's a dramatic turnaround from where we were a couple of weeks ago and Fair play to Keats because when Brian Hughes, I'm not actually going to knock Brian Hughes over this to be fair because I think Brian Flynn influenced this quite a lot. But when Brian Hughes had to bring in some more creative players at this point of the season, and then the rules weren't quite so strict, so he did have scope to bring in loan players. He brought in Anthony Spiru, who just wasn't up to it. Well, okay, say about all three of them. Jermaine McGlashan, who's a very light wing winger, lightweight winger, and um, Kemi Augustian, who could have been a nice signing, but really wasn't. And they all failed dismally. Whereas Keats, at this point in the season again, when there's not much around, and with more restrictions on him, well, he's brought, I mean, if he'd only brought in Omatayo, he'd have done well because mm. Omatayo's breathed life into us up front. Um, I think Sangs looked. I mean, with very little pitch time, has shown he's yeah. got something about him. I quite like him. Yeah. And Marsh Brown maybe is the one who's shown the least, but he's got actual pedigree. Uh, if we can yeah. get him up to speed, he could be a, a proper signing for the future. So, you know, I mean, to be fair to Keats, he's, he's done well to rejuvenate, but Omatayo in particular, <laughs> he's quite good. Yeah, he? yeah. He, he's a physical beast, isn't he, to be fair? And I think he's exactly what we need. I'm not, I'm not saying he's Kwame Thomas, He's a lot more, as we were both speaking earlier today um, in work, we were both saying he's a lot more basic, isn't he? Yeah. But I think he's exactly what we needed. You know, Dior Angus needs that big, heavy target man to do all the dirty work for him, doesn't he? And, I, yeah. and he's shown that, and he was, against Woking, I thought he was absolutely excellent. Yeah. He's, he is, I mean, I, yeah. I don't want to sound insulting to him, but basic is the word I would use to describe yeah. him as well. He is... He does those basic target man things well, but that's good. <laughs> like you said, Angus, I think to be fair to him, in those three defeats, maybe not so much the first one, but the, the other ones afterwards, um, I think did a, a good, brave job fighting away on his own up front, to be fair to him. Hmm. But having said that, when he's got a target man alongside him, that's really what suits him. And on the tie 
Yeah, <laughs> it looks to me. Yeah, like that's a player that Angus can do business with, doesn't he? Yeah, he he looks an absolute beast as well in a unit, doesn't he? Which he's winning most of the headers mm. as well against defenders, and you know he's got an NNA pedigree as well, so probably the defenders are a bit scared of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought he was excellent. It was really nice to see him get a goal as well because I think he yeah. really, really earns it. Yeah, and he finished it well as well, didn't he? You know, yeah. when he's through the middle, you're thinking, oh, you know, keep it cool, son. He did all right, didn't he? Think the keeper it was good. Yeah, really, really nice. And was it Sang who played that through ball too, yeah. which was yeah. so? As as you said, he is also showing promise as well. So I, I thought it was an excellent game. I think even though we won four 0 I think Woking played okay too, and they they gave us a bit of a game at parts. And but even though I think we could have even scored more, so very happy. I thought we we kept them comfortably at arm's length, really. Uh, I know they had a couple of shots from the edge of the area in the second half that could have gone in, um, but I didn't really feel threatened by them. No, I, I quite like Woking as a as a club. I, I enjoy going there. I'm not sure why, but I enjoy going there. Um, and I, you know, they've had problems, and they're already looking at next season. Really, they know they can't get relegated, and they're they're building already for next year. I think, and. Yeah, they were the classic, I thought, slightly dysfunctional team. and they, they got stuck in and they did what they could. Yeah. But we were a level above them. And it's nice to be able to say that. I mean, you know, we don't tend to win at Woking. So, you yeah. know, it's nice to see us doing that. And, and the confidence must be sky high now. I, I liked it when they're all in the centre circle together at the end. You just think, oh, something's building here. It's looking nice. I like it. And we could have just sat down and let the, the season fade away after la- those last three results, but before Halifax, of course. We could have just sat down and ended our season in mediocre, mid-table mediocrity, couldn't we? We could have quite easily done that, and they've shown a lot of fight and mm. guts, and I think that's what, you know, I think that's all you need to do for, for Rex and fans. I don't think you need to show absolute class. I just think you need to show a bit of fight and a bit of passion, and I think fans will endear themselves to you, won't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of fight and passion, um, we've got these two excellent results without the bloke over your right shoulder, Jay Harris, who yeah. for me, in, in that run of bad matches, over the run of those defeats, I thought was our best player. Uh, I had him as man of the match in the yeah. two home defeats. And yeah, uh, with him suspended for two matches, we performed like that. And that gives us a nice... So nice problem, doesn't it, in terms of what we do in the midfield? Because I mean, Jordan Davis is absolutely on fire. You, you can't not use oh. him in the role he's in at the moment. And I think Rutherford deserves a hell of a lot of credit. I think he's he's brought Excellent. dynamism into that part of the pitch which he didn't have previously. He's he doesn't stop, does he? He no. really doesn't stop. <laughs> he's excellent. He's been an excellent addition. And um, even though I'm not saying he's an addition, but I'm saying as in. Yeah. He, he's not really played constant football this season. No. And if I cast my mind back to the Halifax game, I was anxious when I seen him on the starting lineup. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I'm saying he's not played regular football. So I was a bit confused to why he was playing him, but he's proved me wrong. And another pair that have proved me wrong of uh, Kelleher and Pearson playing together. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really surprised me. I mean, I'm interested to see how this goes forwards. I mean, when he's fit, Vassal surely is in the first team. Um, yeah. And, and then there's that reshuffle that's required. So how are they going to play this? I, 
And it must be pointed out that after his comeback from injury, when he gave a really good performance, Pearson himself said you couldn't put us in the same team. Mm. So, if you think about the pattern of these two games, we've got a lead, well, very early at Halifax, fairly early at Woking, um, and we've been able to defend fairly deep when we've had to defend because we've got a lead to defend. Mm. Um, and that suits those two down to the ground. Yeah. Will there be an issue if we're chasing the game and having to push up a bit higher would be my question. Or say Chesterfield on Saturday, if they're a challenging side who are good enough to take the game to us and we have to try to take the game back to them, are we going to be leaving spaces behind? That That's, a, that's just a question in my head as to, you know, will they be able to perform in the same way when we're not dominating? But then, having said that, Halifax are a good size. Yeah, well, so I can like say the way the game went fed into their favour, perhaps. And I wouldn't. I think a lot of play, a lot of conference teams don't uh, play the aerial ball a lot, don't they? And yeah. I wouldn't want to attack Wrexham's defence with um, Kelleher and Pearson in the air because they're both yeah. units aren't they to be fair and they're both fantastic in the air but I would, I would I would tend to agree against the more energetic strike force I would tend I tend to think our best centre-back trio is French Fussell and Kelleher yeah I would go along with that but having said that I think Pearson's tremendous uh, uh, yeah I'm not oh no I know I know but yeah. I love Carrington um, so we've got yeah. nice options there, and Carrington's been terrific. He's he's such a good pro, but you know when he first played at centre back years ago, you'd think this is a stretch. It mm. doesn't feel like a stretch now, to be honest. He's, he's in this system, he, he suits it beautifully. Um, yeah, I I just wonder that, like I said, I think that in a, in a game where we're having to attack, I mean Luke Young, in essence, is. He's not a holding midfielder, but he's maybe the one who's slightly deeper and trying to cover when we lose the ball. Yeah. We don't want our defence to drop too deep because then he will have to drop deep and become a defensive midfielder to cover that, try and cover the gap between the lines. Yeah. And I don't want that because then you're not using Luke Young's qualities. You can use Jay Harris there, I think, because Harris has got good range of long passing and so he can still start things off from there. But I wouldn't want to use Luke Young there because I think Young's ability to cover ground is is a big part of what we've got. And with with him, Davis, and Rutherford in the middle of midfield, you've got three players who can cover the ground. I mean, I've hmm. I've said this to you before. Um, only under Sam Ricketts has Rutherford really played as a central midfielder until now. And I was, hmm. I sort of think maybe that's his best position. There's less yeah. pressure on him to score goals because he doesn't score many, and you know, I mean, he, his, his endless energy is a hell of a value for a player in the centre midfield because you want someone getting box to box all the time. Well, he'll, he'll do it all week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of He's course. He, he presses well. Um, two players I think need to mention as well for their performances. Um, Jamie Record and Retail Johnson. I thought they had excellent games on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. The record, I thought in particular, was really. Yeah, well, I mean, well, Reece Johnson scored the goal as well, didn't he? Record yeah. was was uh, after an hour. I was thinking this is the best player on the pitch, and then I think maybe some other people overtook him. Not so much because he, he didn't dip, but just other people stepped up more. But I'm just delighted. Record's now the player I thought to be signed, which I I 
I was sort of satisfied with him at the start of the season, but not I wouldn't go further than that. Whereas now, yeah, he's having a real impact on games since we entered uh-huh. at the back. And then Hall Johnson is Hall Johnson. Yeah. Bomb up and down all along as he wants, won't he? I think with record, I think when he plays bad, he looks a lot worse, doesn't he? Mm. You think he really is bad because against the last, during the three games stint where we didn't win, the balls weren't right, were they? The crosses weren't right. And I think maybe we benefit from having a big target man in Armateo back in the team really suits um, record because he can whip the balls in knowing there's going to be a big yeah. target <laughs> there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I think that I think that's helped a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what what a fantastic bounce back. Two four nils. I, I, is, is there ever ever been another time there's been two four nils on the bounce? Oh, I'll find <laughs> it. Uh, all right, I'll look it up. Bear with me, everyone. <laughs> yes. Uh, where Ooh. are we? <laughs> oh, you had to ask. You had to, you had to ask me this. Where's <laughs> my spreadsheet? One by four goals away. Right now, then, in terms of winning, like just in general, yeah, there's been plenty of times. When we've we've won four by four or more, mm. um, you know, home or, and then away or whatever, or two home games, it's only the tenth time in our history that we have won. Or beg your pardon, the ninth time in our history that we have won back to back away games and scored four goals in each. Wow, that's quite incredible. It'll get more incredible actually, because of those nine times. Right, the first one. Yeah, get this. The first one's December 1882 in the Welsh Cup. Right. And November 1883 in the Welsh Cup, because that's the very start of the Welsh Cup. That's the very start of competitive football on earth, Mr. Agnelli. And <laughs> um, they are back-to-back away games, which are 11 months apart, because they were the only games we were playing. Apart from that, and the FA Cup, the only competitions before we went mm. into the league competition. So we beat Coid Poeth 4 2 away. Long journey, that. <laughs> and then 11 months later, our biggest ever away win. We went to one of our historical legacy rivals, Corwen, and we won 12 0. Right. Wow. Now, I would argue. Right. Firstly, some people ignore these sort of records because they like look at when we joined the football league as the start of like meaningful football. That, that's nonsense. You can't say look, we're the third oldest club in the world and ignore everything we did in the first sixty years of our existence. Um, but having said that, that example and the next three, you know, how legitimate are these to compare? The next one is in the Welsh league, which is basically a North Walian league. We beat Brumbo Institute five one and then Rose Tuckland Victoria six one. I mean, is that the same? No. Um, maybe the next one, the Combination League, was you know a pretty strong Northwestern and Welsh league. Um, we beat Rill six one. This is still in the nineteenth century, and then Aberystwyth eight two. So you know, fair enough. And then in nineteen o three, Chester four nil away. Woo. And then we actually didn't win the next one. Rill four four. So there's four examples there. You could argue that. They're not as competitive. Then football's a different game, then. Yeah, but on, having said they are club records. Don't get me wrong, but when it comes to sort of the rarity of us doing this in what we might call modern football, it's incredibly rare. 
We yeah. beat Lunchard, October 1936 in the 3rd Division North. We beat Rochdale 6-0 away. And then we beat York 4-3 away a fortnight later. In 1952, we won 7-2 in the Welsh Cup at Colwyn Bay. And then we went to Rochdale a fortnight later and won 5-1. And then the other three examples were in the National League. So we only actually did it twice in the years we were in the Football League, which shows how rare it is. Both of them were a fortnight apart, rather than what we did you know, for four days apart. Um, and one of those was a Welsh Cup game first, which maybe it shouldn't count. Uh, and then the other three are National League, 2012, Ebb Street away 5-0, and then Darlington away 4-2. Mm. Um, and then 2012 again, uh, the next season though, we beat Southport 4-1, then Braintree 5-1. And then what we did last week. So it is actually, to win by four goals in an away game back-to-back, it's really impressive. There. To do it like that four days apart it is the first time we've ever done it. Mm. And if you dis- if you say that the first well, you know, four examples maybe at a lower level of football, and maybe the Welsh Cup ones a bit twisted as well, we've yeah. essentially only done it four times in the league ever. That's so that's quite something. It's quite something and Halifax and O'Muggs too. Uh, yeah. To do it against them was oh. incredibly uh, impressive, especially because I was really anxious going into that game. Uh, so, yeah, what a great way to get our season back on track. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we just got to try now. Like I said, on paper, our run-in's not bad. We've got to keep our heads up and uh, take advantage of it. 100%, 100%. We need to keep keep marching on now and we got a huge game on uh, Chesterfield on Saturday. Let's see if we can do another 4 0 That's right. And, of course, everyone remember, when you finish listening to this, you are going to move on to our preview podcast, aren't you? Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. That's right. It's very good. After this, we'll talk about a subject that we've been raising for weeks, that cursed subject. We're finally going to do it. Prepare yourselves for the bomb blast, which might stop us. Um, it's going to be players that Wrexham should have held on to but chose not to. Jordan Pondicelli and you're listening to the Dragon Art Radio Show. Right, now then, let's uh, let's test the memory banks. We've got that question that we've been asking. Which players did Wrexham release that we shouldn't have? I think, shall we have a look at some uh, responses? We had some good responses on Twitter. Maybe have a look at those first. And Yeah, go for it. See what people came up with. All right. Apologies if I miss anyone out. I, I hope not, but let's have a little look. Well, firstly, Rich Fay of, of course, one of the rival podcasts are on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, oh God, I was going to say their name and I got mixed up. Rob Ryan Red. Is it? That? That's it. Yeah. Cool. Well done, chaps. And of course, Crack, it's cracking podcasts too. Everyone should yeah. listen. Yes, absolutely. And Rich is a sound lad. Uh, was in the media team, and a, a very good judge. Now, he said, um, although he's right with at least two of them, can't remember the circumstances regarding them, regarding them all, but oh, at least three. Caden Jackson, John Nolan, Luke Waterfall, and Kyle Storer spring to mind in recent years. Um, Jackson is a strange one because we couldn't hold on to him. Although, you know, the way Gary Mills treated him, 
Yeah. Uh, he sits into the category in a slightly a, a very small category of players we brought in but then couldn't be bothered to use, tried to get rid of, failed to, ended up having to play him and then found he was actually better than all the other strikers we had. <laughs> and then his contract ran out and a football league team took him. Little um, guy Mills. Well, well done, Gary. <laughs> uh, uh, waterfall. I can't remember with Waterfall whether he had a lot of team lined up or not. I'm sure I, I, he was a good centre back. Stora and Nolan, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent fit the category. And a crazy John Nolan, who we have on loan, who does well. Uh, Gary Mills gets rid of, and so he just goes to Grimsby and helps him get promoted, and then spends the rest of his career in the the football league. Brilliant. Good job you missed out on him. And Stora, who's been consistently strong. He went to Cheltenham then and got promoted. I was a good player, Stora. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Andy Pierce, recent times. Uh, we didn't necessarily release him, but more didn't offer him anything. But I'd say John Nolan again, when his loan spell came to an end, and we didn't keep him to the end of the season and beyond 100%. Kyle Stora again, similar. And we should have kept hold of Luke Waterfall. Yeah. Gareth Williams, this is someone I got lined up to be in a, a show soon. Dan Holman, Gareth Williams says, worth a mention. Definitely a, a striker yeah. who, you know, we brought in and then just didn't use. Absolutely bizarre. Now, here's one. Deja Sonnen. I like that name, I think, unless it means something I don't realise. Um says quite rightly, Manny Smith, but we rectified yeah. it. I mean, when Gary Mills got rid of Manny Smith... What? What the hell? Yeah. And, you know, Keats game, and he got him straight back, didn't he? I mean, honestly, Che, get, yeah. letting Manny Smith go. Bit ridiculous. Who does that? Astonishing. <laughs> I mean, I must say, a season under Smith, he didn't have the happiest of seasons. He was still good, but, uh, sorry, under Mills. Yeah. Mills was playing him at right back. Yeah, why would you play him at right back? Yeah. Just, he just... did some strange things, didn't he? Oh, yeah. We're not his biggest fan on the podcast. That is true. He played yeah. three at the back and put him in as a right-sided centre-back and it didn't quite suit him. I think Manny was always suited to the bread and butter flat-back mm. four defender box. and He was brilliant at it. Um, never understood that. I have to dig it out. I wrote a thing on the blog a while ago, well, when he was still playing for us, pointing out his statistics in terms of results and goals conceded per minute by the team when he was playing centre-back compared to playing as a right-sided centre-back in a three, or when he's playing at right-back, and it was very, really striking, the difference. I'll try and dig that up, perhaps, in a moment. Um, he also mentions, this is, it's an interesting left-field one, this, but I like it. A short spell, but David Raven. I liked and thought he could do a job the following season. He was quite a flexible defender, and he could play full-back or centre-back. And, yeah, he was a decent player, Raven, I thought. And then, the comedy answer... Freddie Hines, <laughs> the man we bought, who's supposed to be a legend and never actually set foot on the pitch. Beautiful, beautiful suggestion. Um, <laughs> Deja Sonnen also says, I think this may be where you step in here, Jay. Dom Vos, he says, I'd say Dom Vos too. I know he got a move to the Football League, but I think he said he didn't actually want to go and it was Mills' doing. That's my understanding as well. Yeah. Um, Don... Um, Don would clear that up. Well, he's been, I think he was on the um, Fearless and Devotion. Yeah, fantastic interview. I, I must say. It yeah, yeah, it's a really good interview. He, and from what he said on that interview, um, yeah, he really didn't want to go. He didn't even want to go to Scunthorpe. 
It was Scunthorpe he did go to, wasn't it, right after us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just thought, what an incredible talent he was. And, you know, he, was, he wasn't perfect all the time, but I think we could have kept him for the rest of the season. I think if we, yeah. with his stats and his goals to game ratio and his assists, I think we may have crept into the playoffs that season, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact is, well, if you think he's a luxury player, then don't buy him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. perfectly frank, you know, if 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 you if you because he, he's clearly a luxury player, he wouldn't have hidden it in his previous career when he's playing at Braintree. You don't think, oh, look at him, he's rolling his sleeves up. If if you don't want that player, don't buy him. I, I just I, and he was producing anyway. You know, luxury players often look flashy and don't produce. He had double figures for goals and assists by January. Th- that's fine by me. Build yeah. your team around him. And, and scored probably one of the best goals I've ever seen at the race course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got another I, Gary Mills one again. <laughs> well, if I can throw back to Gary Mills, not that this is a punch Gary Mills while he's down uh, <laughs> hour. Um, or if you want, if you're interested in that, we will do it. Um, <laughs> here are Manny Smith's rep figures under Gary Mills that, for that season. Okay. So when he was playing in a back four, we let a goal in every 86 minutes. So essentially one goal a game. When he played in a back three, we let in a goal every hour. So 26 minutes more regularly we conceded. Mm. When he played at right back, pretty much the same, 63 minutes. So when he put him at the back in a back four, we didn't let go. Well, we let in one goal a game uh, and a goal every hour if he was playing in a different position. So... Don't put him in a back four, uh, in a back three, or right yeah. back. Seems yeah. a pretty obvious conclusion to draw from some very basic stats, but they don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> hey ho, Hey Waterhouse says Jordan White, which I, I I wouldn't necessarily. I don't know about Jordan White, but then in some ways he's very similar to Cole Domatio, so I suppose it's similar qualities. To be fair, and mm. um, Scotty said Emad, oh Emad Buenan, don't get me started on them. Loved him. Um, but I don't know if I loved him for his football. <laughs> what a character. We could do an hour long on Emad. Wonderful. I think it's off the pitch things that meant he had to go. Mm. I, I know that's something I, that we were saying actually before, weren't we, when we were preparing about Dom Vos. As far as we're aware, there was no real suggestion he was a troublemaker. He's quite quiet sort of character. But, you know, I mean, if you have an issue, then all right. Yeah. I'm, um, but... Vos didn't have that, I don't think. Which is, it was all a bit odd, wasn't it? The, the whole, I remember the whole vibes around the club at the time. It was all a bit mm. weird. It's like, why? Why, why yeah. is he going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig Colville, hey, the Welsh photo guy. Um, he says, "Can I have two? Of course, Jordan Evans and Leo Smith. That's interesting, isn't it? When they were played, they both looked like top quality homegrown talent, um, but not given a spot due to dubious loan signings." I would say those are, I think, two players I'm sorry to have seen gone. <clears throat> I think the sad thing is that, all right, if I take Leo Smith first, I know for a fact that when he was breaking through at first into the team, that Dean Keats really rated him. Um, and I think the problem for Leo is that Dean Keats left and subsequent managers, oh, okay. I'm, I'm confident in my information 
Dean Keats thought Leo Smith was going to grow into something, but the subsequent managers didn't raise him as much. And I, I think he went backwards, which is a shame. Um, and I think if we were a team with a bigger budget, you could maybe... Well, I mean, this happened to Sean Pedrick. Sean Pedrick made his debut when he was sort of 17, then got shin splints. Um, his form collapsed because of it. And luckily then we were spending quite a lot of money and so that we were just patient with him. And then he came back when he was about 19, didn't play a game for two years. But when he came back, he looked good. Um, we weren't in a position to be taking those sort of gambles with Leo Smith, I think, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I feel sad that he went. Uh, Jordan Evans, I don't think Craig fits into the, the pattern because Keats wanted to keep him and he wanted to play him at the point of a diamond. And I, I mean, I, I, look, I wasn't in the middle of this negotiation. And to be fair, we're all entitled to make our own life choices. But I got the impression that Jordan Evans maybe was badly advised. I think uh, I, I may be wrong, but my impression I was given was that his agent felt he could get a move back up to the football league and he didn't. And he's now a Welsh league player. And I think he would have been better off sticking with us because Keats rated him and Keats wanted to build the attacking part of the team around him. Uh, so I may be wrong on that, but that's a story I was told. Uh, certainly I know that Keats wanted to keep him, um, but bad advice, I think is what led to him leaving. <clears throat> David Tomlinson, Mark Duffy, one of the men that Brian Little brought in and chucked out very swiftly. I was yeah. always curious about him. Good target, man. And Jim McNulty, I thought it was a weird one. A young Wrexham lad who comes in, played, was it one game? Never really looked like he was going to get picked. And then went off and had a really good career with Stockport. <laughs> yeah. No one saw that coming, really. Yeah. Alex Reed, Andy Pierce says, that's cruel. <laughs> yeah, especially after like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Mark Barnes, here's here's one to chew over. Darren Ferguson. We wouldn't be in league, National League, if we kept him over Carey. Because essentially, that was what that management call was, wasn't it? One of them is going to be manager. Uh, It's a tough one, that one, though, isn't it? Because we still might have gone down with Darren Ferguson as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, the club was in a mess, wasn't it? It was an absolute shambles. So, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit thinking, I think that one's just a little bit unfair. I would ask, would Ferguson have still played if mm. he became manager? I think he might not. Maybe we would have been good to have him. You know, maybe that would have helped yeah. us. I mean, the thing that makes it all feel a bit strange, that one, is that by all accounts, Brian Carey wasn't actually very keen to become manager. Mm. And the board sort of decided they wanted him and just, told him, well, you know, it's going to be you. But Ferguson certainly seems to have left because he was looked overlooked. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a well, strange that, one, isn't it? That's one of the classic what-ifs, isn't it? Who knows? Yeah. Um, Tom says, surely it's got to be Manny Smith again when he got released by Mills. Million percent agree. Mm. Um, Nick Welsh. Uh, Nick Welsh. Um, he says, going back a bit, that is interesting. One uh, is an era of rejected players. Sean Wally always looked dangerous for us, and Saunders decided to loan him out and let him go. Same story with Tremarco. Mm. Now, I think, yeah. uh, uh, frankly, Saunders did this a lot. Saunders came in, clearly wanted to do his own thing, and, and essentially got rid of about 10, 15 players, or if he couldn't get rid of them, just froze them out by making them train with the reserves or on their own. 
Um, yeah. Dramarco was a really good left back, and I would have kept him. Uh, didn't understand why he didn't fancy him. I thought he was a proper combative scrapper. And yeah, the scene about um, little, little who was who he says? Oh, Sean Wally. Sean Wally scored goals, and he left yeah. us. And he's played quite a bit in the football league. He was a good, sharp striker. He did all right for us. A few players in that team. Tom Keane, the captain, was a decent mm. midfielder. A few he got rid of there. Nat Brown was, you know, I'm not saying they were God's gift, but, but there was gonna, something. If you're going to replace someone, you got to bring in someone better. Yeah, of course. And he didn't, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, Fat Boer, uh, saying <laughs> Nolan in midfield. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in recent years. Um, now, Reese Williams, one that I'm thinking about. Where's York when he got released by Gary Mills? Wrong decision, in my opinion. Class player, very quick, and had the goals to the team. I think if Keats had re-signed him like he re-signed Manny Smith, uh, we'd have got into the playoffs at the very least that season. Yeah, I, I, that's mm. again, who do you replace a player with? If you get rid of someone and bring in someone better, fair enough. But we got rid of Wes York and brought in Callum Powell. I said, that didn't work. No. <laughs> wise. No. I like York fast and direct and just cause problems. You can play up front yeah. as well. A Selzig and Vauer. Oh, that's that said, massive sausages, isn't it? I remember that. Um, now, again, uh, ah, well, okay, I'll read this through first. John Walters is surely the correct answer to this. Excuse me if I'm wrong about the nature of his departure, but he was living through terrible personal circumstances when he was with us. Would love to have seen him at his best play for us, an impressive human being, in my opinion. I completely agree with that. Oh, another person as well, the Aston Williams. John Walters is the obvious one. Went on to have a great career. Although he left us as he had family issues at the time, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I, I think we would have held on to him if we could. Um, yeah, I think he wanted was, to go to Chester, though, didn't he? Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think that now stuff has come out to maybe explain reasons why he went, but at the yeah. time, I think um, Dennis Smith was quite upset at the way he left us, mm. so it wasn't us. I think we would have kept hold of him. I thought he was good. A lot of people have said, Oh, you know, who'd have thought that that bloke would have got into the Premier League? Well, I'm not saying I thought he'd get into the Premier League, but I did think he was a really good striker. I must say, I, I really a lot of people didn't like him at the time, did they? No, they there was didn't, a lot of complaints no. about him. Yeah, I never understood that. Yeah, he, he was very good. <laughs> him and Lee, um, Lee McEvely linked up quite well as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think. He's, yeah, he did the chewing. <laughs> <laughs> and the ball boy who held the burger by the goal for Lee McEvely. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, we've got a couple here now coming up. Uh, I, I are also ones in my mind. Luke Redman says yeah. Connor Jennings, if he was released, he wasn't actually. So uh, maybe we shouldn't say him. Or yeah. Adriano Moke. I loved Adriano Moke. Yeah. He was quite skillful, wasn't he? I liked Moke. Yeah, he was good. And he was a good winger. And then Mills brought him in and played him as a centre mid. And you think, really? Yeah, that was bizarre, it wasn't it? I, but it sort of works, I thought. I, I liked it. And I never understood. He'd never finished 90 minutes. And I thought, what's going on here? You, mm. usually, you might sub your strikers. You don't sub your centre mids very often. But he constantly <laughs> never got 90 minutes. And you think, what, what's happening? But Mills took him to York after, so he must have liked him. And I, I thought he was a good, energetic, sort of neat, skillful player. He would do the hard work. He could move the ball around as yeah. well. I really liked him, okay? But again, yeah, very like good Mills player. 
you go through that team man by man to not get in the top five at least it's not it good would, management it was so, yeah it's not, it was, not, it's not, it's not <laughs> well, that's no more Gary Mills hate now <laughs> will I get away with having a title of this as kick, 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 the kick Gary Mills hour no <laughs> Um, well, here's another interesting one then, who Gary Mills chose not to take. This coming in from before Mills was Sam Finley. Now, there's a player who did a decent job for us in a very short amount of time, and then we let go, and he's done very, very well for himself. And it, you know, with Files, they called him like the sort of they called him the um, the Welsh League Gascoigne because, and he looked brilliant <laughs> against us. And he just think, yeah, Sam Finley, definitely a player we missed out on. Yeah. Um, Joe Liade says uh, Louis Moult. It's a complicated one, that. I think he said he was under contract yeah. for the next season, but sold to Motherwell. It would have been a very different first season under Mills if he'd stayed. I, 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 I don't know it, if he counts. I mean, God, I'd love to have him at Louis Moult, yeah. But... No, I don't think he'd count. He was, he was offered to play at a higher level, and you can't yeah, really say no to a player who wants yeah. to do that, can you? Uh, and we don't tend to either, um, yeah. as long as the deal's reasonable. Um, yeah. And Steve Jones, again, not a, in- a very interesting talking point, this, but maybe not quite what we're looking at. Brad Walker, I know it was his own doing, but there shouldn't have been the doubt in his mind to make him want to leave. We never replaced him. Well, that's very true. Walker gave real steel in midfield. Mm. I think his injury, well, if he hadn't got injured, we could we might have gone up that season, sadly. Um but I, I, yeah, I don't know if we chose not to keep him. I, I think that might be, I don't know. But yeah, I wish he was playing for us. It's going to be wrong. Yeah. He's not playing that often for Shrewsbury. Come on, son. Come to the, <laughs> come, come away from the dark side. But uh, you've got your names there. Some suggestions? Uh, yes. Uh, one that's not been mentioned that I've been quite surprised about well is Chris Maxwell. Oh, yeah. You know, but I know it was a tough one because I think, Arguably, we had two of the best keepers in the league at the time, didn't we? With Jocelyn Miebe and Chris Maxwell. I, I don't really know what's gone on behind the scenes there. I don't really want to comment on it, but I thought it was an awful shame for us to let him go. 100%. And the fact that he came back, by that yeah. point, we weren't going to be able to keep him then, frankly. But, you know, he came back and, and did a brilliant job for us again. Uh, I think Maxwell's comfortably... Well, no, maybe I shouldn't say comfortably, but I think Maxwell's the best keeper we've had in the National League. We've had some good ones, to be mm. fair. But it, yeah, uh, uh, that was a real shame that. I think, yeah, I think he did everything right, didn't he? He did the basics right. And I think, you know, Joss and Miebe would do a, a lot of crazy world-class saves. <laughs> but then, yeah, I don't know, miss, kick it, or what happened at Mansfield when the ball bounced over him and what have you. You know, uh but yeah, it was a terrible shame to get rid of Chris Maxwell. Look what he's done in his career since, and he's mm. even made it into the Welsh squad and probably made get into the Welsh squad for the Euros. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my other one, and I don't know what you seem to think about this, is Neil Roberts. Um, we released him to go to Rail when we went yeah. down, didn't we? And I thought that was a pretty bad decision because he was a good leader, an all-round class player. And mm. yeah, I think he, he might have been a good... Uh, he might have been a good tool to use in the in the conference for that season. I oh, I so strongly agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. I I remember very clearly the circumstances around that. Um, that 
that season when it was obvious we were going down. I mean, we were poor. Yeah. And he was just head and shoulders above the rest of the team. He was brilliant. Yeah. And I and I I remember just thinking, oh, you know what? There's no way he'll stay. There's no way he'll hang around. I mean, why on earth would he? He's clearly should be playing at a higher level in League Two. So he's not going to drop down to the National League. And I remember about oh, it's about like sort of six weeks before the end of the season and it was all feeling a bit inevitable. And I remember doing an interview with him in the tunnel. And he said, um, if we go down, I'm not going anywhere because I want Wrexham to come straight back up. And I remember just walking away, feeling the most positive I'd felt for weeks, thinking, all right, I know we're going down, but he's going to be sticking, sticking with us. Mm. Uh, and and that gives us a player to build around. And then um, Brian Little got rid of him. And the, the first time that Wrexham had released a player of the season, so, which, which I think tells you something in our history. Um, and he got rid of a lot of players who probably would have done a job, you know, at that level. Yeah. And kept hold of some like Sam Easton, who I think were never really going to do much of a job at that level. Um, it was a odd situation, that. And, and for him to go to Real as well, you know, it's not like he was staying in the Football League. We could have well, kept him for money, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did have a good chunk of money. I'm yeah. surely saying, is it Josh Johnson after yeah. it? And, and Danny and, Williams. Yeah, and Danny Williams. I yeah. think we should have kept all the Danny Williams as well, to be quite frank. It, well, I mean, I was about to say that. that the, the issue maybe with Danny was he had a bad back. Um, yeah. He only started 11 league games that season. But having said that, I mean, we were in a situation there where we were bringing players in hand over fist all the time. So that idea I said about Leo Smith of having a tight budget didn't exist mm. so could we have kept Danny Williams around hoping A his back got a bit better but also maybe thinking he's a good influence around the club yeah you know I, I he was loved by the fans this. yeah yeah so you know uh, as we said the club was in a really bizarre state at that point wasn't yeah. it it was a really turning point in our history Mm. So, all right then, who's yours then? The ones you just said, really? <laughs> or all of them? I think I'm struggling to think of extra names. If shall I'm shall I um, give you one that's a bit Ooh. of a talk or debate as well? Ooh, go on then, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Lee Trundle. Ooh. Well, he doesn't fit into the category, does he? Because Do you not think? He definitely left rather than, than right, okay. releasing him. Now, okay, uh, obviously he gave his interview on fears and devotion yeah. and he said about how he, he got quite derisory pay offer um, after them us sort of failing to really make him offers when he went back to mm. them. And I, and I think that was perfectly reasonable what he was saying. I think, there are, I think there are other sides to that story as well. And certainly Dennis Smith felt very upset that he hadn't got back to him. I think he felt the club had, had supported him very well when he had problems off the pitch. Yeah. Um, and that was deeply unpleasant for Trundle and the club stuck by him. And I think that Smith felt that maybe he should have therefore kept in touch with the club just to inform us of his decisions because he, he was entitled to leave. Um, I think he burnt his bridges a bit with Wrexham by declaring he wasn't going to anger around sort of thing. Such um, a shame, though, wasn't it? Oh, it was such a shame. Player. Yeah, because we would have definitely kept him if we could. Yeah, no question. Yeah, 
Yeah. Probably the most talented probably football I've seen technically yeah, at the yeah. race course. One of them anyway, he, he was he was excellent. So yeah, I thought that maybe would have been a bit of a controversial one. So yeah. I wanted to throw that one at you at you. I thought you were gonna throw Gavin Ward at me. You love Gavin oh, Ward, don't you? Oh yeah, Gavin Ward, my favourite cult <laughs> keeper of all time. <laughs> he was a, he was a sound enough goalie, wasn't he? Like, yeah. I did like him. Yeah. And yeah. he hated Chester too. Well there so, you go. There. <laughs> well <laughs> I still remember that. A performance he put in at Chester when we drew nil. Oh. I mean, uh, uh, oh, no, no, we won, didn't we? We, we won, won the game. Michael Proctor scored and, yeah. it, um, and Hall. Paul Hall. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. Chester were all over us and we caught him yeah. on the bounce, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. He oh. just was. He was just a genius, wasn't he? He's just fantastic. Yeah. Do you remember Chester? I know it's a bit off topic now. Do you remember Chester scoring a disallowed goal and the, the player quite clearly put the ball from a corner quite clearly outside the, of the yeah. the triangle? Do you remember that? I don't actually. Oh, am I making up? I'm sure that happened because I remember going wild and the, this Chester player was taking corners. It was way not in the box, uh, in the triangle of the, the corner. Anyway, anyway, I was just going off topic. That was a great, great away day in a rubbish season. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> How about Joe Clark? Yes. Should we have yes. kept Joe Clark? Yeah, for what? Simply because he's played in all of our FA, tro- uh, oh, FA tro- uh, two FA trophies and a playoff final, and he was in two excellent sides, and he was a a great player. Yeah, I think we should have kept him. We let him go six years ago. He's still going now, as we saw, because he was a Leamington team yeah. that, that beat us. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he would have kept going at the same level, mm. but you know, he did a good job box to box. He scored a fair amount of goals and. Quite frankly, again, you know, that, there have been a few fractures, key points on there with Wrexham, where we've moved from one manager to another and they've got lot, rid of a lot of players. And that was where Mills got rid of a lot of players and Clark yeah. was one of them. But I think that he had something. I, 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 I would have carried on with him. I don't think, yeah. you know. 100%. Yeah, well... We'd have had a good side if we kept that 3,000 players that we were just talking about. (laughs) (laughs) We could probably build a team from all those players we were talking about. So (laughs) We could build a European Super League style mega squad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That sounds amazing to me. We'll have to do that, won't we, I think. We'll start our own (laughs) Super League. Uh, The Gwenvro Super League. Featuring players. Yeah. Oh, sounds amazing to me. Sponsored by... Sponsored by Dragonheart, of course. <laughs> no, because then it'll cost us money to do it. The idea of a Super League is to make money, you fool. <laughs> well, no, we both got mobile phones, so we'll just get, I don't know, some local business to sponsor us and they can chuck us 20 quid. Eddie's Chippy would be good, huh? Ed- <laughs> Eddie's Chippy, Gwenville Super League. I'm loving this idea now. Well, that'll get Lee McEverly in, definitely. <laughs> Come in. Come into some streaming platform near you. Exactly. Absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'll, we better finish this so I can get onto Amazon. Yes. It's a super league you can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, brilliant. Well, thank you, Che, as always. Always been a, always a pleasure to, to do business with you. It was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Nice to do Dragon Heart again, mate. Really enjoyed it. And let's hope we get a nice positive result against Chesterfield. Exactly. And can I just say, well played to you. And my tooth was playing me up last week. Your solo flight was magnificent. So thank you so much oh. for doing that. <laughs> anytime, mate. Anytime. That's the sort of thing that um, like proper people say at the start rather than the end, isn't it? 
Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's dragon hat. Exactly. <laughs> Anything goes. <laughs> Except one thing is fixed. The Jay Harris Hollywood send-off. This is Jay Harris, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio. <laughs> this is the final whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team.